y'all. Thanks for listening to Tuned In for Justice and Joy, a podcast dedicated to making resistance irresistible by tuning into our mental health, faith, relationships, and always music. I'm your host, Lysandra Janae, storyteller, music curator, and creative activist Bay. Let's get into this episode. this past weekend I did I cried this past weekend I saw Wakanda forever and the opening scene took me out 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 I feel like that movie and just tribute to Chadwick Boseman throughout it was just like beautifully captured the the funeral scene the ending scene with um Shuri just y'all and really like anytime somebody cried about T'Challa it felt like the tears were really for Chadwick and then I'd just become undone all over again good thing is no one can see me crying in a theater um but I know I also wasn't the only one and so yeah I don't know it was it was good to have a little cry I'm going to tell my therapist about that because um Yeah, once upon a time, I don't know when things shifted for me or why they shifted for me, but I used to be a frequent crier. Like, I'd cry at least once a week over something. It could be a song we were singing at church. Literally, actually, I feel like every Sunday I was crying. Um, At church, it could be I'd cry over, like, a random movie scene or a TV scene. I'm probably not crying as much because This Is Us is no longer um, playing. Yeah, those, this is us, the, like those last five minutes. Ah, gut punch. Just cry, just tears. Um, yeah, I could be in conversation with someone. Um, yeah, just a conversation I could be having with a friend that sparks tears. Or even like once upon a time, I'd cry because of the ending of a book like I did in high school after I finished George Orwell's 1984 they weren't loyal to each other and that still bothers me to this day. However, though, I feel like these days I try to reach a quarterly crying quota because the tears just aren't flowing like they used to. So anytime I cry, I'm like, "Ooh, there we go. That's that's my that's my quota." Um recently in ther- therapy, I mentioned that I didn't recall crying during Q3. Um, yes, I, I basically track my tears. Like I track my budget. I probably track my tears more than I track my budget. But after the session, um, as requested by my very concerned therapist, shout out to her. I tried to remember the last time I cried and why. And I realized I actually did cry in Q3. It was sometime in August. I cried because I was thinking about where my introspective nature came from. These are random things that I think about. Um, I don't know what prompted this. I feel like it was the middle of a work day, maybe post-lunch. I don't know, but something, for some reason, I was in my house and I'm like, hmm, why am I so introspective? Like, why am I so concerned about, like, the depths of who I am and, like, question all the things? Where did this curiosity for me come from? And I guess, like, Technically, the curiosity comes from other people. 
Um, and I think part of it came from like I was on these dating apps. Oh my gosh, y'all. I've been in these messy streets. Please send help. I just deleted Hinge. I'm not, and not for the reasons that Hinge wants you to delete Hinge. I just deleted Hinge because um, sis is tired. I'm so tired. But there was a prompt on one of on one of the apps. I think it was Hinge, and it was something like "My greatest strength is," and I just had to like fill in the blank. Um, and I immediately thought introspection. My greatest strength is introspection because. I am like constantly questioning what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, where I learned certain things, like where I picked up certain habits. I I wonder about those things constantly. It's one of the reasons I don't get enough sleep. Actually, I do get enough sleep, but it's one of the reasons why it takes me a while to fall asleep because I'm thinking about all the things like, hmm, why did I do that one thing in like the second grade? You know, just random things. I'm very dedicated to my emotional and spiritual growth. And I don't mind doing the deep dive to explore every single part of my psyche and my soul, even if it doesn't always produce tears. But this time, as I thought about being introspective, it did produce some tears. I did cry. Um, Partly because I realized one of the reasons I'm so curious about who I am, I think it's partly my nature and just, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like partly my nature and just who I am as a person. But um, one of the reasons I'm so curious about who I am and how I'm evolving is that I didn't have parents who were curious about me in that same way when I was a kid. And even as I've grown up, right? Like my relationship with my mother is much better than it used to be. Um, but in terms of like the, the deep, like emotional and spiritual questions that I ask of myself, my parents didn't ask me that stuff when I was a kid. And the thought of that, like the strength and the curiosity and the introspection that I bring to dating and bring to my own life, um, the thought of that is, is it being a result of not receiving that sort of curiosity as a kid literally brought me to tears. Um, and I think one of the reasons why I also don't cry a lot is because even as I'm retelling that, like the same tears and the same emotion isn't coming up anymore. Like when it happened, when I had that thought, yeah, I was prompted to like start crying. I was like, damn, that is like effed up to think about. Like what? I, I have this curiosity because I didn't get it as a kid. Um, but then I process those emotions and I move on. And so that's partly why I don't cry a lot. Because I just process things and I'm like, all right, cool. We handled that. That's where that came from. Um, so yeah, I do want to pause and say, though, I recognize and I am at peace with the reality that my parents and many of the adults in my life did the best with what they had. So I don't want to use this as like a, yeah, I just had emotionally unavailable parents type of moment. But like they did the best with what they had. I think conversations in um in my family, I'm sure other people's family around mental health and emotional well-being, like those weren't as common when I was growing up in the 90s and early 2000s as they are now. Um that just wasn't a common thing in my childhood for folks to um just talk about their mental health and their emotional well-being, especially of children, unfortunately. And I feel like if it was normalized in any kind of families, it was considered like stuff white people did 
And I can't get into what that means if you're a listener who happens to be white, but there is like a whole list of things that black and brown folks, um, you know, we, we've just grown up believing that, you know, that's just what white people do. That's how they raise their kids. And that subsequently is the reason why their kids have like no problem calling their parents by their first names and talking back in public. I could never ever, ever. But, um, I don't know, maybe that'll be a different episode for another day. Like, yeah, the, the things black and brown people notice about white folks. But anywho, my parents, they just weren't as curious about my emotions as they were say about like what type of grades I was bringing home or, you know, like how my piano lessons were going. If, you know, I was doing well in orchestra, just, those types of things, like how I was excelling. They cared more about um, my excellence and my performance than I think they did like what was going on deeply inside. And they cared more, I think, about just continuing to provide, you know, like food, clothing, shelter. They're like, look, if y'all got all the things, you know, us as kids, we weren't really, you know, we weren't rich, but we weren't ever like wanting for anything per se. Um, Yeah, they, they, made sure we had all of those things, food, clothing, shelter. And I think to add to this, I'm also a middle child. So I spent a lot of time alone. Um, I did play with my siblings regularly, like for sure. I wasn't just like a loner in my own house, but I still spent a lot of time like writing songs and poetry and like journaling about my crushes because I had a different one like every two weeks. Um, I spent a lot of time processing like deep thoughts by myself and just wondering about life and the world. And as I've gotten older, habits like like journaling have persisted and I think contribute to my ongoing personal journey and contribute to like my introspection. I think kind of like introspection, um, it's kind of like resilience for me. I have such a love-hate relationship with that word. There have been countless situations that, you know, and experiences that didn't kill me or, you know, didn't stop me from seeking healing per se, but I really wish I didn't have to be resilient. Like nowadays when people, you know, mention resilience and this has come up in therapy too, where I'm just like, but I shouldn't have to be, you know? Um, so from resilience to introspection, it's really got me questioning, like what other strengths or even habits or like quirks do I have and where do they develop? It's sad that as I'm being introspective, I'm still, as I'm thinking about introspection, I'm still being introspective about introspection. (laughs) Like what else do I have? Where else did these things develop? Um, like another strength of mine is writing, particularly when I'm writing about justice issues or speaking truth to power. Um, I'm pretty thorough. I'm direct. I hold back nothing. And I recognize again, as a child, that wasn't a freedom that I had. I didn't have freedom to express my anger or frustration. Um, and so as I've grown older, I've leaned on writing because my journals were the only place I could be honest. Songs and poetry, like writing um, music and poetry, were the only places that I could be honest about how I was feeling, particularly anger anger and frustration. I could outwardly express that I had a crush on somebody again, but 
expressing anger in my household with my parents, child, no, nah. because again, I had food, clothing, and shelter. What you got to be mad about, you know? Um, so back then, as a kid, I'd release those types of emotions and those tensions through music, whether it was writing or playing instruments. Um, and occasionally, I could release those tensions if, if and when I played sports. Um, but I didn't begin writing essays or blogs actually about justice issues. Both my personal experiences with justice and different forms of um, oppression or, or violence, as well as like collective experiences. I didn't start writing essays or blogs about that until I got to college. Um, and I don't think I really like learned about the power in my words or my voice and particularly my anger and dissent until later into my 20s, like mid to late 20s, um, even entering the workforce. Like I wasn't expressing anger and frustration and dissent as much. Um, but it, yeah, I just think it's interesting that what what's considered a strength for me now, and in some cases, even my career, if you will, it wasn't offered to me as a kid. I didn't, I couldn't be as expressive as I wanted to be. As much as I enjoy and naturally write about injustice, um, as I've become more aware about what was lacking as a kid, I've been challenging myself to write more than just my anger towards injustice. This is really, really hard because I'm also the type of person that can like easily see like problems and issues and um, yeah, I'm just naturally like a squeaky wheel and justice seeker. Like it's easy for me to say like, yo, we need to be doing X, Y, Z things and to write about those things. It's become so easy. It's become like second nature. Um, but I've been challenging myself to write about more than just my anger. I've been challenging myself to write um, about love and joy and healing. I recently saw this video with um, Alex L where she was talking about our healing journey and how sometimes we don't always make space for joy. We're just like, oh, we got to be like deep in our trauma and our mess when, as we're healing. And we have to like be, we, we think we have to be so aware of like how just messed up things are, but she's like, we also need to make space for joy. Like joy is part of your healing as well. Um, it's like, one of the things I try to live by is is thinking that like joy is also resistance. Joy is um, part of the process. It's not just our descent. Although we do need to make more space, especially as Black women, Black and Brown women, like we definitely need more space to be able to freely um, dissent and talk about the things that aren't working for us. Um, yeah, and so as odd as it may feel, I've been challenging myself to to be not be introspective and constantly thinking about how I can evolve or how I have evolved, which how I can evolve is being prospective, looking forward to the future. How I have evolved is being retrospective, but I'm really learning how to be present with who I am today and not feel like I have to overanalyze every single thing I do, every single thing I say or think about or feel, it's like, I can just feel this thing and not analyze it. And admittedly, that is much easier said than done because I love analyzing shit. It's a gift. It's like, I don't know. Some people, they they may love going to comedy shows. I like analyzing shit. I like going to comedy shows too, but I also like analyzing shit at the comedy show. So 
Anywho, we're learning to just be, and we're learning to be more joyful through our words, more loving through our words, through my written words. Not just loving in like the passive way, but like just writing about love. I've been working on a script about, um, it's like a little rom-com script. We'll see how far it gets. But it's been fun to write because I'm like, I want to write about Black love without the trauma, without these like horrific incidents happening, just good old Black love. And so I'm stretching myself in that way where I don't have to just um, cater to what kid me was lacking, what childhood me was lacking, but also I can like nurture what adult me wants now. And adult me wants like the cutesy little, you know, just the cutesy, cutesy stuff. And it's fun. So learning how to be and learning how to not just be angry. So I'll let y'all know how that goes. Like I said, easier said than done because I love analyzing something. Hell, this whole podcast is dedicated to analyzing mental health and faith and um, yeah, just tuning into our innermost being. And so we'll see. We'll see. But I'd love for y'all to share with me. Um, Again, I'm still off these Instagram streets um, until the end of the month, but What's something you've considered a strength that was actually born out of necessity? I'd love for y'all to share that with me. Again, for me, it's been introspection. It's been um, writing about injustices. Um, Yeah, what's something that is considered a strength for you that might just actually be a trauma response that was born out of a necessity? Yeah, let me know. Anywho, thank you. As always, for tuning in, to tuned in for justice and joy. Um, like, subscribe, share with your people, rate, review again so the algorithms know that this podcast exists. Um, and share your responses, yeah, your your answers with me about what strength has been looking like for you. You can DM me on Instagram at Lissandra Janae. Um, and like I said, I'll check y'all's responses when I get back on IG in December. Uh, every, everything I mentioned, I'll try to share that, the, a link to that video by Alex L in the show notes, as well as a playlist that is inspiring this episode. The playlist is tears for water. I literally curated a playlist just so I could cry. Um, and had the help of some former colleagues who also sent songs that get them all up in their feels. So yeah, I'm going to share that playlist in the show notes. If you need a good cry, need to get in touch with your emotions like I do, that'll be good for listening. It's exclusively on the Spotify though. Uh, This episode, as always, was written, recorded, and edited by me, your host, Lissandra Janae, in the comfort of my little Harlem apartment. Music is by Taylor Famous. Until next time, be well. Thank you.